Okay, good morning. Good morning. And uh, we wanted to wait a few moments to see if anybody went to the community college. Anybody glad we didn't meet outside this morning, that we came inside? When we saw it was going to be 37, as of Thursday, we thought, no way, we can't do that. We'll do that another time. However, we are still going to have a hot dog lunch, but not today, next Sunday. So if you got an invitation, it works for next week. And we'll talk more about that later. But, but as far as invitations, we want the Holy Spirit to come this morning. And we're anticipating the Lord's going to fill this place with His glory. And we just want to worship and see what God's up to. Is that a good game plan? Oh, let's have an old-fashioned vote. Everybody that wants God to come and just see what He's up to, and we'll join in, say amen. amen. All right. Well, Lord, you heard that, and we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. And we just sanctify this old building as holy to the Lord, and we ask, God, that you come and fill us and this place with your glory. Lord, we want to see Jesus. We ask, God, that a spirit of worship and, Lord, everything you've planned would be done this day. In Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome Don Potter and these guys. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> Just my brain's in another place. Um, grace, mercy, all that stuff. We need all of it, don't we? How are you guys feeling? Fall is falling and... Uh, Don't stay too far away. This distance is really unnerving. So. I got this song I need to play. So I brought some friends with me so we can... Prepare the way. Bye. 
to confessions of faith and not be blown by the wind. I'm holding on to what's written on my heart, longing and looking for him. Oh, 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 prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way for the coming of the sun. Prepare the way. What would we be if we 
started realizing the salvation of Jesus is coming to the world. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we still ready for it? Or are we still climbing up this ladder of the Spirit? Are we ready for Jesus? Are we surprised like I am better start getting used to his kingdom for it's coming whether we are ready or not oh
Father. felt it was good to be encouraging except we've been encouraged right out of our socks are we encouraged I guess would be the question it feels more like discouragement most of the time doesn't it hmm gotta change that probably don't we but the problem with change is it means Something different's going to happen. Hmm. Ah, I hate that part. I just want to stew in my old stuff. I don't want to change. I just want to be in my old stuff. How about you? So, somewhere between my old stuff and change is where we're headed and where we are. And so now, as God brings a change offered over and over again, something is coming that either we change or we get run over. I guess that's a change, isn't it? That little blop in the road where we used to stand is a change, after all, because we got run over. Hmm. I guess better than that, than this dull sense. Lord, we call now an end of the dull sense that we become a sharp-edged sword in the hand of Jesus Christ, that everyone in this room would begin to move in the power of the edge of the sword of Christ Jesus, the Word of God, that now so permeates the hearts of those who believe that they become trusters, not believers. The day of believing Christ is over. The day of trusting Christ with all your heart and all your life is here, and you will be tested until the trust is complete. And when the trust is complete, a fire will come from your mouth. It'll be called the truth. And it'll come via the spirit of truth, which has no other purpose except God and his will, and his will be done unshaken, unchanged, and without resistance. You can't stop the truth. You can only speak it. You can't start it. It's already here. Thank you for it, Lord. Now, no more days of wondering what I'm breathing air for and using up space. Time is here to live in, walk in the truth, and be the two-edged sword he made you to be. Stop cutting each other. Start cutting down the enemy. <laughs> Lord, thank you. Praise also and ask you that you will heal this body of Christ from the wounds from the swords that have been swung against you and the ones you swung against someone else. It's a day of reckoning. Your time's being reckoned to you now. How much time you have left is now being counted and accounted for. I want all of it. I don't want part of my time I want all of my time. What about you? Amen to that? Hmm. We'll do a few of these evangelisty typey songies. Evangelism is coming whether we want it to or not. 
It was fascinating to me to find out that evangelism has nothing to do with the apostolic. Evangelism is not apostolic. Isn't that interesting? It's what everybody who knows Jesus does because they can't shut up. And until you can't shut up about Jesus, I really question whether or not we're really fully alive in him yet. You know what that's like. In the beginning, we couldn't shut up about him. Isn't that true? Get it again. Get infected again with I can't shut up about Jesus. Be a pain in the neck about Jesus. It's all right. <laughs> now that I'm in B minor, I just have to play everything I know in this key. It's just part of my life. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Come, come, come.
Anybody feel that tormenting spirit that tears down your life? Anybody feel that thing that says you're not gonna make it through? Today God is speaking through words we do not know. I want to hear you, Lord. I want to respond. I want to lay down all my ideas and pray you'll come on, Lord. We're leaning on my own heart. And I want to see your kingdom come. Somehow we've gotten lost in this world of torment and anger. And we forgot to see. It's inevitably Jesus is the reigning King. I worship Jesus. There's no other name. Praise be to you, Father, for you've given something more than just a name. Giving us the freedom to choose who we will serve. But today I say the choice is gone. It's Jesus or nothing. There'll be no other gods to make a confusion. Coming soon, there'll be no other gods trying to stand up when they see your grace and mercy falling soon. But if we are there calling out and singing loudly your praise, we'll know it's Jesus, this is his day. church we can stand I guess we've heard more than we know now we look for the kingdom of the one king we still need to know and I for one don't want to miss any more of this I want to watch the lives of the lost coming and crying as they change from glory to glory, from glory to glory. 
our hope come back, Lord. Let our spirit of fight come in your soul once again. And let all that's been stolen from your life be brought back seven times more again. So you can find that this thing that you thought was precious turns out to be just word and stubble. Now the life, Jesus Christ, is the only thing that's truly valuable. Oh God, give your church another try. Oh God. Give your light. Blind my eyes till I can only see your will with the desire to do it. Till obedience is the word that we're not offended by it. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. You're not a concept anymore. You're a living God. You're alive forevermore. Come, Lord Jesus. Us. Live inside my heart. Come, Lord Jesus, Jesus, be the King you are. Come, Lord Jesus, Jesus, till we're alive, till we're alive. This is called Holy As I Am. I found out recently that God was not trying to bring happiness to my life. <laughs> he actually wasn't trying to bring health either. All those things I think I deserve. He's bringing holiness. The point of this life is holiness, not happiness. 
Yeah, miserable. Yeah, that's probably true. But are you on the road to holiness? And if we can't get that, then we're not going to get what we're here for. So to demand happiness and health and wealth, might as well just put that idea aside for now. You can pick it up later if you think you can handle it. But at this point, God is making you holy, whether you really want to be or not. That's what I didn't understand before. We lost our choice some time back. The rock is no longer available to fall over. He's falling on you and me. And when he's done, there's going to be this monstrous dent in your head, shaped just like Jesus Christ. And that is all we're going to have to have. It's pulverized by the king. Amen to that? The mess we're in ain't going to get it. Is that correct? If we think what we are at now is the end of this, then this could get really boring. Is that correct? I know you know what I mean. It just sounds terrible on a Sunday. Hmm. <laughs> you can say this on Monday, but not Sunday. Huh? Blessed be your name. This is called Holy As I Am. And we might as well get on with this, huh?
We're just uh, getting started, but I want to take a few moments and just welcome you. If, uh, if you went to uh, the Merrill Watson stage, we are grateful you made it over here. You found the way, and uh, we didn't meet over there. We saw the weather forecast a couple of days ago, and we thought it would be a lot better on the inside. But we also want to just, anybody here for the first time to Morningstar Wilkesboro, the gathering place, would you raise your hand? Our ushers have something they'd like to give you. And and we'd love for you to come back, man. Just uh, hang around with us. We may leave this place permanently in a few weeks. We're still, that's still debatable. Actually, I, I'd love for those jobs to come. They want to bring about, I don't know how many jobs into this place. We could use some jobs in Wilkes County. And, and God will take care of us. We can meet. We, in fact, he's already working some things. So I had a dream last night. We'd just pray, Lord, just bless that business and... Whatever's restricting their coming and bringing jobs, Lord, break it and bring jobs, Lord, into Wilkes County in Jesus' name. And we'll gladly find another place. Not about the place, just about meeting Him. What's well, good worship? Hey, uh, did we get those passed out? Did everybody here for the first time, you did get something in your hand. Good deal. Anybody else? Oh, you're for the first time. Hey, over here on my far right, our ushers could find those guys. And uh, we also want to welcome our web streamers. That's another deal. If we had met over there, you could not have joined us. So we're glad that it's worked out. And wherever you're watching from, we just bless you. We pray that, that the Lord would meet you where you are, your family, and do something. This is, as Don mentioned, this is the Lord's day. In fact, he told me that recently. I, he asked me, he said, you, he said, hey, what day is it? And you know, when the Lord asks you a question, it's not that he's looking for the answer. He, I mean, of course, it, that day was Wednesday. I said, well, Lord, you know it's Wednesday. He said, no, it's the Lord's day. It's my day, and it means a whole lot more than what we've just been taught. But it is the day that he's on the throne. Hey, there's something we like to do, and I'm going to make a few announcements in just a few moments, but we like to welcome each other and greet each other, and it's a time of encouragement. So how about standing, find somebody you hadn't seen in a while or you don't know, introduce yourself to them, and... Just be a blessing. Greet one another in the name of the Lord. Give somebody a hug.
Okay. If you could find a seat, that would be great. And uh, just make just a couple of announcements. Also, if you came today expecting a free hot dog lunch, that's next week. So now you have to come back. And we have to do it because we don't want to uh, 600 buns and hot dogs to go to waste. And so we're going to do that next Sunday, and, and uh, we're going to invite more folks to come. And, uh, in fact, we announced we were going to go to some of these apartments. We prayed last Sunday that God would release a fresh spirit of evangelism. And when we made the changes, the only people that showed up to go out was me, my wife, and Don Evans. And it would have been easy to say, ah, oh, let's put it off. But the Lord arrested my heart. He said, no, you go. You have to set the example. So we went yesterday and just loved folks and, and just blessed some folks over in these apartments. And I'm telling you, there is an openness today like never before. People are just looking for love. They're looking for, they're looking for truth. They're looking for hope. But you have an opportunity now. Next Saturday, if you'd like to go out with some teams from this church, just uh, love folks, invite them to come the next day to that lunch and just pray with people next Saturday at 11 a.m. All right, next Saturday at 11, meet here and go for it if you've not done that in a while. Man, I'm telling you, something was lit in my heart. I, I just, there's something happening right now in our nation. There is a harvest pending uh, and uh, we're going to be a part of it. Wherever we meet, we're going to be a part of that. So, uh, and also, for that lunch next Sunday, you can bring a dessert or fruit. And or you don't bring anything. You can just come. But uh, if you want to bring dessert, do. If you want to bring fruit, we need more fruit than dessert. They say that's better for you, although that's debatable. Okay. Hey, we want to receive a, an offering, our tithes and offerings uh, right now. And if you're writing a check, you write it out to Morningstar or you can write it out to the gathering place. And if you need a, a cash envelope, raise your hand, and our ushers will be glad to give one, put one in your hands, and we'll receive that and then release these guys to worship. And I believe God has given Don a word. And um, how many of you just sense there's something different in the atmosphere? Is anybody, am I the only one? I, there's just something... I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in our nation. We were talking about this in the last few weeks. There's this impending doom over our nation, over people's lives, you know, the, the doom that's coming. And it's time that we rise up and pronounce the impending doom on the darkness as well. And, and that's happening, and it's going to happen in an increased fashion. You know, the devil has only a short time. How many of you know that? And uh, because his doom is sure. Not ours, but his. And uh, so good. All right, our guys will go ahead and receive the offering. We're also going to take another offering at the end for our worship team. But go ahead and pass that out and release these guys back to worship. God bless you guys for coming. Hmm. I believe in the blood of Jesus. And I believe there's power in his name. How about you? And I believe that he died to free us. I believe he's coming back again. 
I believe he was born of a virgin. I believe he was a sacrificial lamb. I believe he ascended to the Father, and I believe he's coming back again. Oh, oh it's on this rock he will build his church, and his church will not be made by hands. And it's on this rock we will make a stand. The gates of hell will not prevail. Oh, Lord, yes, I hear it.
work that's finished There's a work that's yet to be done Salvation of all mankind's been finished By the blood of the cross that's the one Do you believe, do you believe Do you believe down in your soul Do you believe, do you believe Down in the heart of us all There's been a jailbreak I'm finally free Chains on my feet Have fallen From me As I escape These prison walls I see a man Hanging On a cross He paid the cost Now I'm a prisoner I can't explain this mystery I'm a prisoner Still trying to be free I'm a prisoner Just as caught 
as I ever was, but I'm a is gone I see a throne of grace surrounded by a song He calls my name I can't turn away Just as caught as I ever was, but 
Sometimes I wish I didn't have a choice Sometimes I wish God would just take over Sometimes I wish there was nothing I could do But obey my Lord Be His Son Serve his name wait for him to come but somehow in his wisdom he gave me a choice doesn't seem like a very good one to me choose the darkness or the light I often wonder how we keep falling When it's dark everywhere I look And in the name of Jesus I'm calling Take my choice, take my heart I give my choice to with my life I give my decisions I've foolishly given away and those who would say who is this God you love I almost cannot explain Good is just too small a word. Love is something we now see as an action done on earth. But there's a love that's greater, a reverential respect. There's a caring that carries my heart farther than I've ever gone yet. But I refuse to believe that all we have is this. And there's a kingdom waiting to be seen. 
are here and we cannot praise God as we know him until we know him. I actually have some things I'd like to say to you. Is that okay? Are you guys all right? I've had some burdens for quite some time concerning Oh, a lot of things, and I think you're all are getting this evangelistic burden in some form. Is that correct? Am I too far away from you? Can you not hear me or see me? Are you all right up there? You might need to respond once in a while to keep me from feeling rejected. You know what I mean? After all, we all in church, and rejection is the greatest fear of all mankind. Is that correct? All right. Just checking. <laughs> None of us realize how much that fear of rejection is stealing life from us. And that fear of not doing the right thing and all that stuff that we're so caught up in. Am I making any sense to you so far? All right. We can get over this, by the way. It's possible. Whether we do it in an hour and a half, I don't know. But there's something that's very, very key to this next stage. 
And it isn't a one thing, it's a many things. And um, I have it on my trusty iPad. Are you okay if I use this? Do you believe it actually has the Bible in there? With the real words and not a computer version? Never mind. Um, can I use a mic and get closer to feel what's going on? Um, yeah, that might be all right. It'll even look like I'm actually preaching or something like that. But um, Sometimes I have a real proximity issue with I have to feel things or feel people, and I hear what you think if I can touch you, but I won't go there. I don't actually want to know that. Um, <laughs> this, uh, um, how many are here, have been here from the beginning of uh, Morningstar Wilkesboro? Oh, there's more of you still alive than I thought. Hmm. <laughs> a little painful, that journey, hasn't it been? <laughs> Would it be possible that everything that has happened up here is actually the will of God? Is that possible? Now, that's a funny thing, isn't it? Can't be. It's not going according to what I like. It's not the way I want things to go, so that can't be the will of God. How many times have you been there? This makes me uncomfortable, therefore it's not the will of God. This makes me angry, so that it's definitely not the will of God, because after all, and this is what God really busted my chops about. I was, got an email from a friend about um, there was some picketing going on out in front of a Lady Gaga concert. Did you guys ever heard about that? They were picketing. Christians were picketing. Thank God for Christians. And... Uh, they were um, saying in the picketing that Jesus does not love you, you're going to hell, don't have your concert here, so on and so forth. Nice things like that. Sounds pretty loving, doesn't it? She goes on stage that night, obviously to a large crowd, lays down on the stage, facing up, and says, Dear Jesus, I don't believe you hate me. In fact, I believe you love me. And you also love the monsters that are screaming from my death outside. Now, how is it that someone from the world does the most righteous thing in this picture? What happened to us? I'd love to say, well, I'm glad I wasn't out there, but we were. We actually were out there. You and I were there, whether we want to admit that or not. Because as soon as we find something we seriously don't agree with, we're going to picket it. Is that correct? And I found out, and God explained this to me. It really busted my chops when he said this. I said, you can't be serious. God, this can't be true. But you know how God is about the truth. <laughs> He's always true. He's always right. And I turn out to be mostly wrong. So, and he said, that's because you are believing you are inerrant. We always say, the word of God is inerrant. Well, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely correct. Is my translation of that inerrant? Hmm. Probably not. Okay. So do we have a few thousand years of incorrect interpretation of Scripture? Crusades might confirm some of that. Um, we probably have a few thousand other dead bodies laying around proving that our interpretation of Scripture hasn't been exactly correct. And... But in 2011, it's perfect. 
correct? We have it interpreted right, and therefore, there's nothing to argue. Go my way, or I gotta kill you. So if we don't have it correct, what don't we have correct? That's what got under my skin. What are we not interpreting correctly? I, will, I have actually started to write a book. It's called The Book of Pain. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I really did write this. Because I really feel like I'm in pain over what I have assumed was God's will. How about you guys? Well, since the beginning of this place, one of the things that happened up here, which is both good and difficult to deal with, is all of the very powerfully, what we would call anointed people who have led the ship. Am I correct in saying that? Well, when somebody is really anointed and it's really been good, you know, it's really tough to another person to come along. Until they can prove their anointing, we're going to have to sit here and watch you real close. We're going to tell you, I'll tell you if I think it's anointed or not. And so we suffer from this over and over. In fact, I was the first worship leader up here in Wilkesboro uh, with the Morningstar Church. And Rick was the pastor, Rick Joyner. That's kind of an oxymoron, Rick Joyner, pastor. Um, he's the one who said that. I didn't say that. I'm just repeating what he said. That's not telling on him. Uh, he's got a lot of wonderful qualities, but really having the patience it takes to pastor people I'm not really positive I know anybody who has that personality. Oh, let's talk over that thing once more. <laughs> you know, and we're trying to be nice about something we can't be really nice about. Am I making any sense to you? Because a sheep herder is not generally a nice guy if you've ever watched sheep in a field. Why did God call us sheep? That was not a compliment. He did not say we're sheep. Oh, the little sheep and the little lammies, they're so cute down there. They're so stupid, they walk off a cliff one after another. <laughs> if you want to kill a herd of sheep, push one off a cliff. <laughs> the rest of them will follow like little lemmings. Where did they go? Over here. And so what happens to us is that God has insisted upon us recognizing this one little thing. You are sheep, therefore... He who would be over you or she who would be over you will tend you or feed you. Why didn't he say, love my sheep? Why didn't he say that? You know the scripture. Tend my sheep, Peter. I have a lot on that subject. I won't go into it right now. None of it is complimentary to us. Um, what it comes down to, does anybody ever raise any sheep? Anybody know how to raise sheep? Anybody ever done that? Not an extremely pleasant job, is it? They're not really smart. Uh, there's a weird thing you have to do, and it's really gross. I won't tell you the whole gory details, but sometimes their hair gets really long, and they have a little trouble relieving themselves without it getting really caught up in their hair. And so what you're doing is checking their rear ends all the time for some mess that they're not noticing to cause, you know, so it can be dangerous. They'll die from it. Is essentially it. So you got this shepherd out there lifting up your tail, holding up their rear ends, and cutting the hair off there to keep them from. So that's us. Jesus, the sheep, my little sheep. That's what comes to my mind because we had sheep for a while. I don't see the little nammies jumping in the yard. I see a big caked up butt that needs, <laughs> that needs some serious scissoring. Do you know what I mean? 
Bring your scissors, Mama, the sheep are stuck up again. <laughs> I'm still not convinced I understand why God said we are sheep, other than he has to have been mad for that moment. Why didn't he call us lions? <laughs> Why didn't he say, you know, how about some, the horse in the stall are my, no, it's sheep, little stupid sheep. At any rate, and so we have to recognize this is not a perfection concept. There is something he's speaking to us. And so as this place went on, uh, you know, and I remember the start, and we were in the Jubilee Junction that, you know, and it was just a funky nightclub and dirty, smelled like a cigarette and a beer, you know. And, you know, Rick went in and he said, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at him and I said, you're, as always, right on. That's great, man. <laughs> so we started out. And, you know, I, I put the music in the center of the room. I'm still pretty convinced that's very important. Uh, proximity winds up being an extremely important issue, especially now, because what's coming in the spirit is so confusing and so um, swirly that unless you are close to the Lord, you are not going to hear what he's saying to you, because all of the words are getting... If you ever ride in a car, uh, the, the newer cars that have what is called automatic frequency control, basically when you're riding along and you're tuned into one station, the newer cars will automatically tune to another station if the one you're on drifts too far. It won't go staticky and it won't go silent. It just snaps to the next station. And one time I was listening to a, uh, a talk show thing and I was, the guy mentioned how he was going to talk about something that I wanted to hear. Five minutes later, I realized they weren't talking about it. And they kept talking. I said, why aren't they talking about this? And I kept waiting and waiting. He said, man, I've been waiting to hear this for 20 minutes now. And I realized my radio had just changed its station. And I didn't know it because I'd driven out of the, of, the, of the receiving area. And the radio was silent in the change. And it just sounded like another person started talking. And I thought, what did I miss? That's when the Lord began. He, that's when he talks to me when I get in these little things. And he said, that's what's been happening to you. You've been drifting from my voice to other voices. And you don't know the change. Because there isn't a big, I'm off the station. There's nothing warning us that we're off the station. Are you catching this? And so as the church goes on, you know, we have these anointed leaders. I'm going to tell you a secret about anointed leaders, just so that you can hear this. You're the anointing, they're not. If you don't know that, you should know it. The anointing is on the people. It is not on those who lead it. You have to hear this. That means you can make anything that happens up here anointed or not anointed. Your choice. How do you like that? Well, nice and dry and dead. Oh, I love that. That's fun. Let's have another dry, dead service. Is that, is that what anybody would like? You, it's your choice. That's why this power to choose thing is wearing me out these days. So, so as the more leaders come on, the more power we begin to see released. And then we sit and wait to be powered. Is that correct? We don't make power. We wait for it. Tell me. Show me one more. Tell me 5,000 times that this is what you mean. You need another sermon about salvation. How many here? Is any, anybody here saved? I'm just checking that. 
just want to check that out. You know Bob Jones's word recently that said only 15% of the body of Christ is born again. Did you hear that? That's a really nice word. I like that one. 15% of the body of Christ is born again, which means 85% of the body of Christ does not think from a heavenly perspective. That means I'm fearing every day for my provision. I'm fearing every day for my life. I'm fearing for my health. I'm fearing, I'm fearing, and then I'm fearing. When I'm finished with that, then I watch CNN and I go into terror. <laughs> Is that correct? And so I keep feeding my terror on, the on a regular basis, and then I come back to church, and I wonder, I don't know what God's going to do because I'm afraid because I'm not thinking from a kingdom perspective. So, like I said earlier today, I read this in an Oswald Chambers thing, which he's very good at clubbing you upside the face. Uh, and he simply said, the end of man is not his happiness or his health. <laughs> it's his holiness. God is making us holy. I don't mean that he doesn't care about your health, but compared to making you holy, if making you holy is better for you being sick, then guess what's going to wind up happening? I don't want to give God the incentive to break my head open. I would like to get down on my face and go for him right up front. Let's just go for God right up front. <laughs> you know the scripture. David is crying out to God, stop the plague that's killing thousands of people in Israel. And God answers and said, I deliver you across the Red Sea. You forget me. I give you water of a stone. You forget me. I give you the cloud by day and the fire by night, you forget me, but I kill you and you cry out to me. So we're in a place where we're not giving God any incentive to make this a nice ride. We're forcing him to strain us and to test us. We're forcing this issue. We are by sitting and saying, I'll see if it's anointed or not. Since you carry the anointing, now it's on you. And the problem with what I just said to you, now you know. <laughs> you almost could have gotten away with it had you not known that. But that's off the tree. Anyway, now there's an offer. How many know that Jesus was humble? What do you suppose humble looked like 2,000 years ago? He wasn't weak, but he was meek. He was strong enough to get a whip and walk in and mad, strong and mad enough to go out in the field and get a whip, come in a horse whip about three, four people, and not only get done with it, nobody had the nerve to attack him. He looked probably nuts while that was happening. You know the story of him coming into the temple. I really wouldn't want him to come in and check what we do. I really wouldn't want that to happen. Because I don't think it's all that clean. You, you catch what I'm saying? So, now that we have doctrine perfectly figured out, maybe we need to start to seek the Lord ourselves, one at a time. Since you, Scripture says, 1 John, now that you have the anointing, you are no longer in need of a teacher. What does that mean? No one will teach you? It actually means you'll finally get what's being said and read. That's truth. Because you can, that post right there will respond to the word of God after a while and you just keep talking there long enough. But that's not what he made you into. So with the grace of God, we begin to hear. We begin to recognize what he's really saying. So are you okay with all of that? I have another whole long deal about this, the history of this place and sometime we really need to do it because you need to know what you're into. 
Everybody know about generational curses? <laughs> Those are there. Generational blessings as well. But generational curses have a way of coming right down the line. So if you don't know where you came from, you probably are going to get really sideswiped by what you don't understand about your own past. Am I, I know I'm making sense to you. But. Now, this is something that you'll hate, but that's okay. <coughs> get over it. Um, a spirit of evangelism really is coming, but it ain't on us. Because on the lost. It gets on the people. That's where the spirit of evangelism falls. We're just in there to use it. Just like a leader comes in and uses your anointing to bring whatever they're going to bring. Are you, you've got to be hearing me when I say this. Because then you'll, you'll understand that you have more to do with this than you think. So if the anointing is out there, then what we need to do, just like the Moravians who prayed over the ground you're standing on, and... The problem with the Moravians is they prayed that God's will had to go forth unhindered or the covering would come off. You know what that means? Have you heard that? Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I said that? You don't know what I'm talking about. Let me just give you a little brief history. Uh, the Moravians obviously came to America from Germany. They were originally in the Czech Republic or in Czechoslovakia. They came into Germany. They came to America as evangelists, fierce evangelists, in fact, landed in Pennsylvania and walked to Salem. That's a fierce evangelist. And they bought Salem, and they got this tract of land as bonus land, meaning called the Wachovia Tract. This is a part of it, and Moravian Falls is a part of that. And then a 100-year prayer vigil started in Germany over their ministry here in this land. It didn't start on purpose. It just started one night. They decided, let's pray for the guys on their journey, and they couldn't stop. They prayed, and it kept going till the next day, and then more would come, and they kept going, and they recycled, and all of a sudden, 100 years went by. So there's prayer on the land. And the land they came from is in Germany, and the small city or town that they built is called Herrenhut. I don't know that I'm saying that correctly. Gary Geller could probably pronounce this more correctly than I can. But it basically means God's covering or his hat, God's hat. And, this, and what the Moravians lived with um, is this one concept. God's our covering will be over you as long as his purpose goes forth unhindered. Hmm. Anybody felt uncovered recently? Anybody felt like you're getting kind of pounded, tormenting spirit? You know the one where you bump into everything in the house, whether it's on the other side of the room or not? Got that one? Anybody got that one? How about that one? How about the one that's howie all the time, pain every second? Boom, hey, my arm, my elbow, my butt. And there's something every second that's happening to us that's broken. Am I correct? Anybody got that guy? That's called being uncovered. Okay, that's good. We're uncovered. Well, that's because God's purpose has to go forth unhindered. So we got Moravians who are fierce evangelists, and they're praying over this land. Hmm, do you think the purpose here might be evangelism? Hmm. So if that's the purpose on the land, and it's stuck here, you're stuck here, and you felt called by God. How many came here because you heard a call from God? How many came here because you're defying the call of God? Hmm. That works just as well. God's okay with that one. He'll get you there one way or the other. I came to Nashville following a carrot that God put out in front of me, just like any good mule would do. And 
So if we're here for that, then chances are you're stuck in this evangelism loop. And it's going to happen to you. And every time we have another agenda, like my great ministry, in the trash does that go. And how many have we watched go in the trash over these last few years? Is it because the ministry is bad? Obviously not. No. Is it because the gifts of the Spirit are important? Truth is, they are not. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why did he say that? Do you know what poor in spirit means? The person who has run out of everything to the point where the, all they have is the word of God. That's a poor person. I've run out of what? All my great gifts, all my wonderful ways, all my spine-tingling whatever I think I'm doing. When I've started to run out of that stuff, then I start to become poor in spirit. And finally, I then encounter the kingdom of God. I'm making sense to you now. So what we've been doing is watching spiritually strong people with our own little envy buttons stuck all over them. I want to be strong in the spirit. Oh, and I want to have a gift like that. Or I want the praise that gift brings you. And all the time, though we are to desire spiritual gifts, we forgot that that was not the end of what this was about. Desiring a spiritual gift is not the finished product. It's laying the spiritual gift at the feet of Jesus is the finished product until he breaks us into the humble acting or at least headed towards the meek that he said will inherit this earth. Here's Jesus. He shows up. You know the, you know the story. He's walking around. He could change the whole world in a heartbeat. Does he do that? No. Nope. Why not? Not called yet. Not ready called the activation of his anointing. He was anointed to be the king when he was born. He did not move in his anointing. He moved only when the Holy Spirit came on him. And that was when he was 30 years old. 18 years old, he could have saved the world. 20, he should have saved the world. 21, that's a good age for saving the world. He should have saved us at 21. Maybe 25, because that's a little more stable. You know, a little, little, little stronger person, 25. You know, a little more experiences. No, no, no. He waits until he's 30. He actually didn't wait... For anything, he waited until the Holy Spirit activated his anointing. So much of our lives are spent moving in the anointing, which we still don't understand, but we move in an anointing and not the activation of the Holy Spirit. Thus, we burn out. The concept of burnout is moving in the anointing without the Holy Spirit. Got that? How many have done that? Anybody burned out? Anybody gotten there yet? Well... It's not, you can't just keep burning a lamp because the oil runs out and you keep putting a match onto that wick and you're going to burn the wick out. And then you're going to have nothing but an empty jar. And then you're going to be five unwise virgins, aren't you? The anointing of the Lord belongs to the Lord. Mary pours out the oil on Jesus. goes to Jesus. It doesn't go to us. It doesn't get spent on the body. It gets spent on him. That's just stuff we have to start to re recognize. Now, You've been through all of this special leader trick, and now you're in a place where you're being asked to move in what you have. No, I want to have more stuff. What stuff do you think you need from here? Does anybody here know what the gospel means? Do you know what the gospel is? Good news. What's the good news? Hmm. Let's see. 
Jesus died for my sins. And that's pretty good news. Is there any better news? Um, I can be forgiven. That to me is the good news. You can be forgiven. Scripture says the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin. No, 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 we are. The church is. We're convicting everybody of sin. You lousy rat. Do you realize every earthquake is on account of you? Do you realize those tornadoes are because you did it? You're bad and you deserve it. And they don't have a clue of what you're talking about. <clears throat> I know this hurts your feelings. I hope that it really offends you deeply so that you can face the fact that you are offendable. Like me. That stuff thumbs me out when somebody starts talking real like that. You know, oh, how dare you? I'm inerrant. And this is the issue we have to face. God is breaking us as a people. He's offering us leadership that does not carry a huge stick. Would we dare follow a broken person? We're going to have to learn to do that because Jesus is going to come back again and we're going to miss him a second time if we're only looking for pomp and circumstance. If we're looking for monster ministry, you've just missed Jesus Christ a second time. That I definitely don't want to do. How about you guys? Now, one of the keys of the Moravians was they realized they wanted to evangelize, and so they looked at each other one day and said, this evangelism thing isn't working all that well. Here's David. He calls, and let's have, a, let's have an outreach. Every, I know what that feels like. Some guy's all excited about an outreach, and you would like to just punch him in the head. It's like, wake up. We're not here to evangelize. We're here to survive. <laughs> And so, you know, four, two people or whatever show up. Okay, let's evangelize the neighborhood. We had a thing in our church in Nashville. It was many years ago. We were a small church. And the truth is, it got hit in the heart with an arrow, and it was dying. Bob actually, Bob Jones, first time I'd ever met him, now 25, 30 years ago, actually 30 years ago, he came to our little church, prayed a month before he came. He shows up in our church. He stands up for your faith leg is broken. You're going to die. Okay, Bob, thank you very much. We're really happy that you were here. And uh, <clears throat> you know how we act. We have this churchy thing. That's, that can't be true. <laughs> we have the prophetic word, the later house would be greater than the former house. So it can't be true. There's what happens. Prophetic. Why is it speaking a negative word? Because that's what's going to happen if nothing changes. Nothing prophetic is inevitable. It's a spoken word that says, keep going, and there's where you're going to end up. Thank you very much. Well, it ought to, uh, truth is, all prophetic words had ought to never come to pass, like Nineveh and Jonah. Am I going too fast? All right, please yell at me. That's going. We've got to be careful because we're speaking things that we think are inevitable, and we sit around going, oh, well, the prophet said it, so therefore, that's not the way. It is to say, I'm going to change. Someone says, you've just been shot in the heart and you're going to die. Get this out of me. Beg Jesus to forgive me and heal this hole and get me on with what I'm supposed to be here for, which is going to cost a lot of repentance, our favorite thing. True? Part of praise, this is just a sideline, yada is a Y-A-D-A-H, one of the words for praise in the Hebrew, and it means to confess 
God is God, and to confess your sins before him. He calls that praise. That's entitled praise to the king. If I'm confessing my sins before him, he hears it as praise. Hey, guys, really praising me today. He hears it as praise. I think it's a shame. I think, oh my, oh my, what a lousy rat. We've got to change that. You okay with that? So the Moravians are going through this change, and they've decided for themselves that right, um, they need power to do this. Okay, you're going to evangelize with what? A track? That gets them every time. Breaks their hearts every time. You know. If you were to die tonight, you lousy rat, where would you go? And so we keep separating ourselves from them so far that they, in the least, I say they, don't feel in the least like they could possibly be touched by who you love. They're not really sure they see that love on you. We're really not sure if we know what that love is, do we? Not really sure we even know who this God is that we claim to love with all our might. That's funny, isn't it? So they prayed for power, and they got power right away. So they started raising the dead. Might as well start there. And um, they did. They raised a few people from the dead, and right away they were martyred. Well, you've made no raising the dead around here. I'll tell you right now, we don't do that sort of stuff around here. Healing the sick, no siree, man. We stay sick, and when we get sick around here, I'll tell you right now. And what happens to us is that we don't have a concept of what, why would God give us the power to raise the dead or heal the sick or the brokenhearted. Why would he bother with giving us the power? So that I can have a bus that says Don heals the sick? Why would I have, why would he do that? Let's see. Hmm. Could it be for evangelism? Could it be, do you remember the word prophetic evangelism? Have you heard that yet? Have you heard the word healing evangelist? Why was evangelism always tagged onto it? Because it's not interesting unless a life is being saved. It's not worth anything until a life is being saved. My stuff isn't worth anything unless a life is being saved. I know you know what I'm talking about, but there's a fire that's gone out in all of us concerning what it was like when we first got saved. How many were the non-shut-up, I-couldn't-shut-up-about-Jesus people? How many were like that? What hooked me immediately was I couldn't shut up about the Lord. And I was standing around people and just eat that all the time, you know, and I couldn't read his word enough. I read it and read it and then read it. And I decided I was going to write every single verse of the Bible what I thought it meant. And I did. I sat down and wrote what I thought every verse of the Bible meant. It took a long time, a very, very long time. But, and I got reams of paper at home with whatever that is. To God, it was cute. It was like, you know, whether I got that right or not didn't matter to him. I could have had it all wrong, but it still didn't matter. He wants to know. And a lot of times, I could feel him just say, no, it means this. I'm like, okay, I'll get mine out of there. Let's see. And suddenly, now is it possible that God would talk to you like that? Well, it took us 1,517 years for the scriptures to come to us. You know that. You must know that. And Martin Luther's. We, so the body of Christ was scripturalist until 1517. That's a little while without the word of God. 
do you think things got a little sideways? Do you think we misinterpreted something? Hmm, maybe, a little, maybe, a little. How much is still not there? This is the key. You can find out how much is still not there. Do not take anyone's word for doctrine. That's what the book of pain is about. I just went ahead and studied what everyone told me was true. And then when I looked at it, I said, whoops, that's not exactly true. Because we think the world's supposed to get born again. That's just one of them. And the truth is Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a leader in the church. It's the church who has to be born again in order to see the kingdom, which is standing right in front of them. The problem is the kingdom is standing right in front of you, and we're not seeing it because we have not yet believed what it meant to be born again. So you can't say that to me. Well, it just got said. And there you have it. And whether we have the pride to feel we're inerrant or not, it doesn't make any difference who we are at this point. God is correcting us by making us holy as he is. This is why you're under a test. This is why this is not a comfortable season, but a painful season. I know I'm talking to the right people when I say that. And our words are being tested on purpose because there's no power in what we say just yet. And without a test, God's word was tested seven times. Let's see. Well, we don't need to test mine. <laughs> Why would God's word have to be tested seven times to be proven true and mine just go flying out of my mouth and that's going to happen? It's not going to happen like that. We are being tested. And every word you speak is being tested by God. And the struggle and the calamity you're in this minute came from heaven and not from hell. Leave Satan out of this. Now that is not much fun to hear. Because I'd like to get out of here, Satan, you lousy rat. I'm supposed to be comfortable. I'm supposed to have an easy life. This is all supposed to be what? What is it supposed to be? I don't know what it's supposed to be, but it isn't what we're doing. That much I'm clear on. But I do know there is a thing, and that's a hope, because we have to make it through something. We have to make it through these offenses to get on the other side. Easier to win a city than an offended person. You want the power to win a city? Get through your offense. That's the bottom line. Are you offended? Absolutely. Was it real? Absolutely right. It was, I was done wrong. I was offended. I was done wrong. It was wrong. You're so, you're so right. You were, it was wrong. They should know better. Did they? No. Do they know better now? No. Does anyone know any better now? No, actually not. That was your foot. I'm standing on it right there. Yes, sir, that's your foot. Hurt? Yep, that hurts a lot. Okay. Still standing on it. That's okay. That hurts. That hurts. Ouch. You have a lot of things to scream ouch about. But it doesn't accomplish anything. Getting through the ouch is what accomplishes something. The power we're looking for is on the other side of it. Not the power we're demanding that we don't have. Why would I want to evangelize anyone with this faith? How's it going? Oh, life is great. You ought to know Jesus. Yeah, like me. You ought to know him like I do. <laughs> I don't trust a single thing he says, and I don't believe he's coming back real soon, although I like to shout it. I know you're, we're all in the same book. You know, this, this is the same book. Nothing's changed. And we're struggling with this. And we're, this there's a victory, though. <laughs> I have good news. That's the part that I like. There's a victory. Thank you, Jesus. 
Um, does anybody know what moral excellence means? We think we know what that means. I'll tell you a little secret. This is fascinating. I went to the U.S. Air Force Base playing with Winona. I don't know if any of you guys knew this, but this uh, Bruce and uh, Wes play, and, w and we all play with Winona Judd on the road. It's been an interesting experience. I won't go into that. It would take about several hours. But we went to the United States Air Force Base in Alaska, and we rode a um, tank tanker airplane up there, which refuels F-16s. And two F-16s were following along beside us all the way. And on board the plane, and they let us even watch them as they refueled the planes. It was really quite wonderful. And we got all the way up to Alaska, and the F-16s, of course, were, who were following us were running out of fuel, so we refueled them in mid-flight. Fascinating. And there they are, these guys. I mean, you can look right at the face of this pilot. He's right here next to the plane. You're looking at him, you waving at everybody. It's just... This guy could go up your nose and you wouldn't notice it <laughs> with that airplane. It was so accurate with what they're doing. And I was just blessed as I could be. We had a colonel on board, two colonels actually, on board. Um, we had uh, several uh, major uh, lieutenant, uh, lieutenant majors. And these guys and women were absolutely spectacular people waiting on us. I'm a, just a musician, you know. And the kids, there were a few kids with us from some of the people, some of the musicians. And the kids were acting like kids, you know, spoiled brats, causing, uh, let's get a colonel to go get me a Coke. Hey, 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 would you mind getting me a Coke? You know, it's the entitlement that we have taught our children to walk in. And these guys, this isn't a colonel. This is a colonel in the service, a strong person running to get you a Coke to bring it back. In our economy, there's something wrong with that picture, isn't there? But then I began to ask the board, what's this about? So we got up in the Air Force Base, and I'm looking around. They had an F-22 there at that particular time, which makes an F-16 look like it's a toy. And they were doing maneuvers on the Air Force Base while we were there, and the Thunderbirds were doing a practice thing, and they were flying over at, you know, six feet off the ground and pulling the jet up to a stop in midair like this and then take off. I mean, it's ridiculous, the discipline. I know that's a swear word, but the discipline that they were living in was spectacular. And I said, God, what is this? And he said, America does not win a war based on its might, but by its moral excellence. I said, what's that? I mean, the last thing we would call this nation is morally excellent. Am I correct? But God called it that. He says that. I said, you've got to give me some explanation. What does this mean? So he says... Look up dunamis. You know the word dunamis, the Greek word for power in the scripture? I said, you've got to help me on this here, God. And so he does. He says, he shows me the word dunamis. This is fascinating. Here's the explanation. This is the Greek. I'm not going to speak in Greek. This is, it's called moral power, excellence of soul, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Sin exercises its power upon the soul through the law, uh, through the abuse of the law, really. The power which the resurrection of Jesus has for instructing and for reforming, for elevating, tranquilizing. Tranquilizing. What a funny word. You want to shut the enemy down? Why don't you tranquilize that stupid? You know what I mean. Anyway, <coughs> just, just thinking out loud there. The power to heal disease and proceeds from the power uh, of Christ Jesus. So the power of healing the disease is way down the list of the power that you get from dunamis. 
So, would it be a good idea to assume that Jesus did not heal anybody based on his power, but based on his moral excellence, his character? Well, he was the most wonderful man on the face of the earth, a man without any sin. Of course he's morally excellent, and that's not possible for us dirtbags, right? Right? Like we think? A friend of ours had a church down in Alabama that we go to a lot, and he put stickers where everybody came in the church. Sinner, saint. He said, take one of the, take both of those stickers, but stick them on your shirt. Got a little message I want to have. He said it was amazing how many people grabbed that sinner. Stuck it right there. There you go. Every one of them are believers, and they got that sinner sticker right on there. There's what we still believe, isn't it? Still buy it, don't we? And he said, look at you. A lot of you put your saint and then your sinner sticker right over the top of the saint. What the heck is wrong with that picture? When are we going to believe that this actually took? When are you going to believe that it's not possible for you to sin? How about that? I mean, that messes with me. Anyway, I won't get into all of that because that's another sermon I'd like to give on your case about. But, um, so there's moral excellence. There it is. So I'm asking the Lord, what's the deal with moral excellence? How, is he, how can you call the United States Army or Air Force morally excellent? And he said, because you, you don't understand moral excellence. And I sure don't. So I looked up the, the dunamis thing, and I got all into that. But I realized, God said, the road to moral excellence is serving. It isn't doing the right things. How many do all the right things? Huh? Hmm. That's the way to clean out a house, doesn't it? Let's have all the good people stand up. Thank you very much. We don't do the right things. So doing the right thing is obviously not the road to moral excellence, is it? But serving is. And so we go into the service. How many guys here have been in the armed forces? We got enough. We have a few. You know exactly what it's like. The first thing that happens is where you're at ain't going to happen here. Where they're at is what's going to happen. And what they want from you is what's going to happen. Yeah, but I don't like that. <laughs> How many guys know that that isn't going to count for nothing? And the first thing that's got to happen to you is you're going to be broken from your entitlement to comfort. Is that correct? I know you know what I'm talking about. And unless you've been in the service, you don't know what that really, really means. Well, that hurts too much. You know what? That does not change one thing. This is what's going to happen to you. Now, why does God call us an army? Sheep army. Hmm. Once we get the doo-doo cut off our butts, we head into the army. Can you get this? I know this feels terrible. About time we faced a few of the unpleasant portions of us. But so if we're going to be disciplined, which is exactly what we're being called into now, is a discipline of the spirit to create a morally excellent person who can walk in healing power, who can actually raise the dead and touch the lives of those who are broken and see healings come. Not to develop a ministry of such, but to just say, this is what follows those who know the Lord, not leads them. Wasn't it that? These accompanying signs follow those, follow the apostles, follow those who know the Lord. That's supposed to be a little trinket behind you, not the force of your life. 
Do we go to, we go to these meetings like, hey, man, so-and-so, they're going to really have this big power. And we won't be healed unless we go see the big power. And, and we just flock into these things, and thank God he's ever given us that. But did you understand, do you understand the concept of giving those things to us along the way? What kind of depression would we be in if we had never experienced anyone who ever walked in that? So he shows it to you not to say, well, gee, so-and-so is very special, and that I would like to envy and be jealous enough to murder them so that I can have a little bit of that in my life. We want the response. We're not even concerned about healing anybody. I just want people to go, you should see what happens when Don comes. What in the world is that going to accomplish in the kingdom of God? So far, it's accomplished nothing. I told you the story of Bob Jones calling me one day several years ago when we were selling more CDs than we should, and he just said, well, there ain't no fruit in your life. God says there's no fruit in your life. And I thought, man. So obviously being what might be called a successful worship leader selling CDs is not what God calls fruit, is it? Wow. Wow. What's fruit? How about morally excellent? How about that? So, anybody up for the breaking? i got to cut you loose because I can feel you itching your lunch thing in your brain. Um, we are not going to make it through this season without carrying God's heart. And what's coming to us now, and it's a wonderful gift that we're being offered, is we're being tested to such a degree that we will come out the other side broken, humble, and morally excellent, capable of literally wielding the power of Christ for his purpose, not for mine. Am I, am I making any sense to this? I got so mad at myself for how many people make up your mind, you know what, I'm never going to eat that kind of crap again. I'm, you know, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. And then you eat ten times more of the very same thing. Anybody do that? That's it. There you have it. I'm going to exercise. I will get myself in shape. Maybe not tonight. But, uh, you know, right away I'm going to be, you watch me. You don't watch me. And we don't actually ever get there, right? I eat twice as much crap and lay down. Let me lay down for a while. I ate too much. And there is, it's impossible to make up your mind you're going to do this. And so we're, we've all decided, well, it can't be done, can't be done. It can't be done in my strength. Guess what? There's a discipline that the Lord will give you as a gift if you really want it. And it's called a disciple of Christ. That's a discipline. It isn't. It has nothing to do with studying, sitting around, although that should be imperative. I mean, that's a prerequisite to knowing Christ. Study his word. He said it. I'm alive. Study me. He says, study me. This is a little task. I'll give it to you if you want to do it. Get you a little red pencil or a red pen and write all the red words down in the Bible. Just write them. Just write them. Just forget the sentences in between. Just write all the red words. It'll be fascinatingly interesting, but it'll also awaken you to what our king said. Not men, but Jesus. Because he says things slightly different than we do. And if we really, really listen, he is making an explanation of everything we need to move in power and in moral excellence.
But it starts with the heart of serving. But a lot of times we wind up serving the church. And we get all burned out. And then we get mad. And then we want to kill somebody. And then we stand there. And, and then we go back to church with kill on our minds. And it makes Sunday incredibly pleasant. Kill. <laughs> kill. I love you, brother. I want to kill somebody. And... <laughs> We're in that thing day and night, and we can't break it. It's just on us because it's a true offense. It's true. Yeah, that happened. That, never mind. I won't go into all of the details because you know them better than I do. If we're going to serve, then it's going to probably start with forgiveness. They are not asking for forgiveness, nor do they deserve it. That's probably true. But it isn't their problem that you're unforgiving. It's yours. And it's you who will not, and here's the good news, go to heaven. Do not forgive and you will not be forgiven, says scripture. What does that mean? Um, you won't be forgiven. Um, well, that's not so bad. What does that actually mean? It means you're not going to heaven. No, it's getting worse. Wait a second. That's a little more than I wanted. So if I don't forgive, then I'm not forgiven and I'm not going to heaven. I think... You might want to start on that forgiving thing as quick as you can, just in case you run into somebody out here in the parking lot. Because I don't want to face Jesus and him say, what about all of this that you didn't forgive? Didn't you know that that was my test, my love for you? I tested you with these people. Didn't you know that? Didn't you realize that you were chasing power and not chasing Jesus? Didn't you realize you were serving the gifts and not the great gift? This is a gift kind of church where we honor the gifts. God said this to me while we were in Nashville recently. He said, this is a city that worships excellence, and it does. There's some excellent, excellent musicians and stuff. He said, but I made excellence to worship me. The reason someone gets excellent is so that they can make an offering to God that's acceptable to him. That's the point of excellence. It isn't so that I can show you how great I am. It is to show to the king will you receive this? Anybody interested in serving the Lord from starting now? Interested in trying this? What we're doing is not exactly working, is it? Now, don't let anyone tell you what serving looks like. Let the king tell you what serving is. Let Jesus tell you, this is what I want from you. Because when he tells you that, you'll be doing it. And you'll have the gear, the equipment, the time, the money, and the effort will be there, right there with you. It won't be this, oh my God, I can't get it done. You won't be begging people for money. They'll be begging to give it to you. When they sense God's on your life, they will come. Bottom line. But not until you're moving in moral excellence. And it begins with serving God. Are you okay with that? Do you, if you're interested in that, you can stand up and we'll pray and we'll ask the God. Don't feel ashamed if you don't feel like you need to stand for that. Because once you say, I'm committed to the service, any of you guys who've been in the service, you know that, you know what, I didn't know that it was going to be this hard. I think I probably will go back home now. That doesn't actually work when you're in the service, does it? That's called a wall. the moment you decide this is too hard for you. And guess what? It's going to be hard for you, and it will most likely take your life. Most likely. But then what in the heck were you doing with it anyways? 
I want to do something that has some value to it. Father, we're standing here today, and we're standing here in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, because you said if we pray in his name, it will be done. We are those, Father, who have struggled with the concept even of serving. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. We have fought. We understood your word more than we really did. We have spoken to the lost as if they should have been righteous and didn't know that they don't know the truth. We have tried to be something we were not, O oh God. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to forgive us. If you agree with that, you can say amen. Father, we also ask that you will move us into the next stages of walking with you, which is to test our words and test our hearts. We ask you to forgive our rejection of your test and that we would be willing now to stand in the test of the Lord. And if you're in agreement with that, say amen. Father, we're also now looking to finally become, even though we have been known Jesus or have been saved for years, we want to begin to serve you as you have called us to serve. We ask you now that you will forgive us for rejecting the humility that had been offered us from the day we got saved until this day. We ask you to forgive us for rejecting the offer to be put through any kind of discomfort on your behalf. We ask you to forgive us for rejecting the suffering that scripture said we would face. If you agree with that, say amen. Father, we now come to you as willing servants who have decided, I need to be morally excellent before you, Lord. And I ask you that you will receive and accept me in your army as a servant. The scriptures say, I now no longer call you servant, but friend. When does that come? After you have been disciplined as a disciple is when that comes. In the beginning, we are servants, and he calls us servants. And when he says friend to you, then rejoice. But not until he says friend to you should you do this. Let no man tell you you're a friend of God until God tells you that. So in Jesus' name, we offer ourselves in service to you, Lord Jesus, and say we will serve you as you call us to serve, and we will wait and listen until you say, do this, and I will provide the power and the money and the way to make it happen. We ask you now in Jesus' name to forgive our rejection of this, and now we embrace the service of Jesus Christ, and we will not turn back. If you agree with this, say amen. We ask it now in the name of Jesus as believers who are not turning away, but coming in to the kingdom of the living God where we will rule and reign with him with a rod of iron. Get over being nice and start getting truthful. Live in the truth of Christ Jesus. We say these things now, Father. And we ask that you will accomplish this in our hearts and let no man say, I didn't know, because now you do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay? We'll talk about other stuff later, but it's great. Thank you for being willing. And don't be screwed up and weird if he starts talking to you right away about stuff. Because he's already talked with you about a lot of things that we didn't do. But that's only to test you. And when the test gets tough, say, thanks for the test. I know what's coming. 
Amen. Blessings on you. How many of you know that was timely, very timely? Now we want to be not just hearers, but Lord, we want to be the doers. And we say, yes, Lord. Hey, we want to receive a, just a quick offering for Don and our worship team that's come to join us. And so if you'd like to write a check, write it to Morningstar. And whatever's in this offering will go to these guys for coming to minister to us and, and just be a blessing. And if anybody needs a cash envelope, raise your hand real quick and they can get you one. We'll release everyone real quick. It's going to be an awesome day, isn't it? It's supposed to be 70s again all through the week and just beautiful. And, and um, hey, while we're doing that, you guys, when you get ready, go ahead and pass it out. We, Josiah is going to Haiti. Remember, we took an offering for him. He's going this week, right? So stand up, Josiah. Could we uh, just extend your hand out? Those of you that are nearby, lay your hands on him. And uh, we don't want anybody going out with, without covering and our blessing. And, and we're sending him now, Lord. We send Josiah. Lord, you provided where there was no way. And you raised up an opportunity, and it was easy. And we've seen your hand on it, Lord. So we ask you to use Josiah. We send him from this congregation, and we ask that he be an ambassador for your kingdom, and that, Lord, great, your kingdom would come in great measure uh, through what he does. Everything he lays his hands on, Lord, every step that he takes, that uh, it would prosper and your kingdom would come in that nation. Use him, Lord. His heartbeat is education. So do something radical in that nation through our friend and one of our brothers, Josiah. We send him now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Okay, let's go ahead and pass that out and then we'll be uh, dismissed. I was wondering how we would pray for that uh, pastor in Iran. Anybody heard about that? Pastor Yosef? He's facing execution because he will not deny Jesus. You've heard, guys heard that. And um, I was sitting here thinking, well, maybe it's God's will he'd be a martyr. I mean, I, there are going to be a lot of martyrs, but let's just pray. I don't know how to pray. But Lord, just help Pastor Joseph. I'd rather you spare him, Lord. Uh, just intervene in that situation. And um, his family, his boys, Lord, use his testimony to break the darkness of uh, of Islam, Lord, in a major way. And uh, Lord, just intervene. Intervene miraculously for this brave man and let him be an example for us in the days to come, Lord. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Okay, did we get that passed out? Thank you, guys. You've been awesome. Next week, we have a hot dog lunch. Hot dog. So don't cook. Come, bring some fruit, a little dessert. Invite somebody, and uh, God bless you guys.